Chloe, Joe, we haven't introduced you yet, but I have questions for you both. Mm. Mm -hmm. Are you afraid of the dark? Are you afraid of the dark? We finally started to cover it. I never thought this day would come. This is the scariest topic for me other than Mars Attacks, which I famously thought was a horror film up until about three years ago. Um, I'm still scared of this. And we had a lot of people opinionated online when we teased that we would be doing this Halloween episode saying, this is terrifying. (laughs) But viewing it as an adult, still spooky. (laughs) still spooky and we had an amazing guest joe carlson who picked four incredible episodes that we're going to cover in this pod um unfortunately i was on the floor of my bedroom when we covered it and there was this creepy like shadow of a sweatshirt behind me the whole time so i i actually was a little bit scared while we were recording this episode it did set the tone of course podcasts are famously a visual medium so i need to say sarah we need to talk about this glow up of the shed the shed behind you y'all have to understand we started this pod we've we've risen up in the world we've gone from a (laughs) a shed with bare wood walls to inside of a closet to now this what appears to be a fully furnished shed it is, it's getting there. I do have drywall on about 90% of the walls. Um, there's a little bit of a wall that still just has insulation. Um, my roof doesn't have any drywall in, or insulation. And we had a big storm um, this week. And uh, some of my drywall is a little damp and warped. But, you know, we're, we're rolling with it. Rolling well, with like it. damp wall. Not so much you know. drywall. Yeah. Well, in these conditions. An atmospheric river was happening over here in the Bay Area, but I was luckily out of town. <laughs> yeah, we had a we had a bomb cyclone up here, whatever that means. Um, and I also moved the light to the front of my face instead of behind me. So there's a you know we've got windows. It's it's getting there. It's getting there. Wow, wow, climate change. <laughs> We hope that everybody is safe out there and enjoying these super cozy episodes. I would highly recommend not listening to this podcast in the dark. Very scary. Yeah. Let us know if we covered your favorite episode. Um, Otherwise, you can also follow me on TikTok where I'm going through all of them um, at Dr. Guthels. But I am very excited because next week, don't forget, we had Cassidy Williams on for Parent Trap. And uh, we're releasing that next week to start out November, my um, birthday month. Uh, so you'll want to stick around for that one. Um, make sure you're subscribed to us, saluteyourscorts.com, uh, pretty much everywhere you can find podcasts. And this is just one of many of the Lohan episodes we will be covering in this series. We've already covered several. I mean, we just are enjoying going through these nostalgia hits so, so, so much and 
we're so excited to have you here on the journey. And is this our first, wait, hold on. We have to acknowledge that this is our first guest episode, right? This is, this is not necessarily the first one we recorded, but it is the first one we're releasing. So we're so thankful to Joe for jumping on the pod with us and really elevating it, to be honest. Oh my goodness. And such an expertise from both of you of this scary genre. Meanwhile, I will be over here with the lights on. Everyone enjoy Are You Afraid of the Dark? Chloe, Joe, are you afraid of the dark? Used to be for sure. Uh, a little bit today, for sure. So yes. <laughs> I was also in the past, but also today. Same. I prefer a dark room to sleep. I cannot sleep if there's any light. I cannot sleep in a dark room. Really? No. I'm just glad a show finally answered that question for us. Yeah. We've been asking it for decades. Are you afraid of the dark? The answer is just yes. Have you ever met a kid who isn't afraid of the dark? Like, who prefers just huddling in the darkness? Like, okay, that kid may be... <laughs> need to see a therapist. My, my three-year-old likes to go out in the dark, but with her flashlight on, like, her headlamp flashlight. So she doesn't want to just be out there in the dark, but she's oh. like, ooh, it's getting to be Halloween and winter. Let's let's go on a little walk around our foresty property in the middle of the night. And I'm like, sure. I love a glow stick. I love a flashlight. Um, I love a good – remember back in the day, like, glow-in-the-dark things were pretty huge in the 90s. Had a lot of inflatable chairs that glow in the dark. The stars – the stars on the ceiling, absolutely. We should bring those back. They still have them. We have them in her room. That was the first thing I bought when I was pregnant. I'm glad that still exists. I feel like the Gen Z version of that is the lasers on the ceiling. Which I have two of. <laughs> Which I think was my alternative. We still have the same plastic stars with that really shitty glue stuff. That's, that's still the thing. Oh, I love that. I got a question for y'all too. Like, did you enjoy scary stories as a child? Like, or as an adult? Do you like them even today? Oh my God. Sarah and I are complete opposites here. So Sarah, so for, for those of you who have not checked out our amazing social media accounts that will exist by the time this podcast is live, I have bright orange neon hair. I um, often am tweeting photos of my skeleton son, um, which is just like a toy skeleton I bought from Target. My whole aesthetic is very Halloween. Like I, I love goblins, ghouls, ghosts, pumpkins, bats, but I do not like to be scared. Now, to set the scene, I will not go to a fright night. I do not like jump scares. I do not like to scream unironically. I will scream at NSYNC or Backstreet Boys, but I will not scream at a scary clown or person. To set the stage on how freaking terrified I was of Are You Afraid of the Dark, y'all, I thought Mars Attacks was a horror film <laughs> <laughs> until 
about two years ago, like legitimately saw it in theaters with some friends and was like, guys, I don't like scary movies. And they're like, this is a Tim Burton feel. It's a comedy. Yeah. Like film and it's a comedy. <laughs> and it was great. But like, I was so scared of aliens. I was like, aliens are so big back in the 90s and, and early 2000s. Um, I do not like to be scared. And this was my first time watching one of these all the way through without crying to my mom, screaming, like, turn off the channel. Like I couldn't even, I didn't even have the strength to turn off the channel like that's scary to me so when I was a kid this show definitely frightened me but it was my favorite show of all time and so like watching it today that intro sequence Oh, that scared me. And I was so excited. Um, so tiny, tiny, tiny backstory, um, which is probably going to be too long. But um, when when I was really young, I had night terrors. And so night terrors are slightly different from nightmares where like there was this one girl who had night terrors and they had to like lock her in her room at night because one night she went screaming and running out of her room and fell off the second story, broke her foot and kept running because you don't wake up. Right. Um, and so I used to have night terrors when I was young. And so when I was around seven, um, my mom took me to like this, like child psychologist doctor and people are going to think this is absolutely insane, but, um, they asked me to describe my, you know, like my scary dreams and stuff. Um, they suggested I watch Freddy Krueger, specifically Wes Craven's new nightmare, which is the one where he um, is a prop master and he's making it. And then the kid actually goes and defeats him. So I did. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> I fell in love with Freddy Krueger. I had Freddy Krueger um, uh, imaginary friend babies, like they, I had six little babies that I would take with me to the park. I had like a towel that had Freddy Krueger on it that I would take with me to swim class with all the other girls um, and their princess ones. Yeah, I was just like weird and I loved it. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I've had nightmares pretty much every night my entire life. Um, so you would think that I wouldn't like scary things. But then last slight insight into Sarah's psyche, um, I've actually found that scary movies make me less anxious as a person because yes. when I'm feeling yep. a lot of panic attacks or anxiety I'll start a scary movie and by the time and I'll like get anxiety over the movie and then by the time it's over my brain says the movie's over you can stop being anxious and I actually have less anxiety than before I started the movie so anytime I'm stressed I do that oh see I do that with real housewives <laughs> that's Nike day fiance for me <laughs> yeah it's like a safe controlled way to experience it though you can like shut it off you can understand it and like understand the structures and tropes to like anticipate it i could like i feel the same way i could like watch a very scary movie to go into bed and like that's calming and relaxing. yeah oh God, yeah no. same i um i also feel like as like an anxious child having that too is like horror was like the genre that like i could identify with most because the kids were experiencing like hard stuff they're is vulnerable they're insecure they're scared like i am um and there were problems that i could relate to and i think 
even in this show too. I don't know if you noticed, most of the endings in the show are happy endings. That was kind of a, I think it was a rule because it's for children, but like these children are encountering these very scary situations and they're typically getting out of it safely. Um, that is really like a powerful pull for me as a kid. Yeah. yeah. Are you Canadian too? Because it was very Canadian. <laughs> yeah. You know, I just learned that uh, before my, my most recent rewatch for this podcast, and I was just keeping an eye out for the, the like, uh, accents. Uh, I, I A couple of them popped through. They say sorry so many times. They're like, sorry, sorry, here's your nose back, sorry. <laughs> a couple of boots. I appreciated it. Yeah, yeah. it's a little character in there. I loved. <laughs> so before we dive in, I did a little bit of research, as they usually do before these shows, on some of the history of this series. But before we do... Joe, tell the lovely humans listening a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, your love for the '90s. Uh, yeah, I'm a '90s kid, um, which I don't. I've worked my whole career pretending I was older than I actually was, um, but yeah, <laughs> I was born in 1990, um, so that's basically I get to enjoy the entire '90s experience. Um, yeah, I'm in tech. Uh, I do a lot of things on the internet. If you want to follow any of my fun stuff, uh, you should check out my TikTok videos. Or my Twitter at Joe Carlson one. Um, yeah, yeah, I think that's Joe about does it. some of my favorite tech TikToks. Truly, all if you are not following Joe on TikTok, do it now. Thank you. Okay, now I just realized I don't think I'm actually following you on TikTok, so I'm gonna have to go do that right you now. Can, yeah, you should totally change that. <laughs> we could do it whenever. I, no, I have issues with ADHD. I got to do it now. <laughs> oh, I, I think this is also the ADHD club here too. So yeah. I think yes. Like, I think that's going to be safe. So I have a couple fun facts. I found this really great Vulture article about Are You Afraid of the Dark? And I highly, highly recommend that everybody goes and reads it if they're listening to this podcast. It is an interview with the creator of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Who has a really interesting kind of origin story background for all of this. So he was an NYU grad, like, you know, a script film writing kind of dude, um, and wasn't having a lot of success. He was like doing a lot of, you know, industrial videos and stuff like that. And um, ended up working with a partner to put together this pitch for Nickelodeon. And the original concept was basically fairy tales and, and bedtime stories for lazy parents with the idea of like, it would be a direct to VHS. Like we record these, they put them on at night, the kid goes to sleep while the parents are having wine downstairs kind of thing, which is honestly, that's a, uh, that's YouTube, right? <laughs> I don't have kids, but Sarah, what do you, do you tell Ayla bedtime stories? So yeah, we do. We, we, we will sometimes read stories. We sometimes make some up. Um, but we will often like, I'm pretty sure she's neurodivergent because both her parents are and like all of her grandparents. But, um, I know for me as a child, listening to the same thing over and over again, helped me fall asleep. So we actually let her like, well, she'll like, she might like watch frozen for like the millionth time. Cause it's not about watching frozen, right? It's about helping her mind calm down. Um, so I think like recorded bedtime story type things can be really effective for helping, especially neurodivergent children, just like relax and calm down and feel safe and feel like they know what's coming and they can just go to sleep. 
not to dive into a pair rant, as we like to call them. <laughs> pair rants of the show. Um, I also feel like, and, and since I was born in 89, Joe, maybe you had this as well. It was really popular to have these like read along cassette books like that were from Disney and they came in these like, I can feel the plastic. It was like this bubble plastic stuff and you would put the cassette in and then you would like follow along with the book. Um, and I think that was just like such a popular concept. Like I remember famously my cousin Josh, like everyone was like, he's a prodigy. He can read. And then my aunt walked over and turned the book over and was like, he hasn't memorized. He can't read. <laughs> yeah. Like he's just heard this. A million times because it's like one of 10 cassettes we have. Um, but I feel like that was such a thing back then in the 90s that we don't have now, which are these like straight to cassette, straight to video, like go entertain yourself because we didn't have phones or really, I mean, we had video games. But... Just apps now. Yeah, the iPad. Like the, the, the Noggin app, which is the kids, like Nick Jr. app basically has all that they have the read-alongs they have like yeah gosh I would have killed for that y'all I was like Ayla's age on the internet trying to get the I love Lucy game in flash player on the Nick at Night website for entertainment like the the way that these kids have stuff but do you remember like what did you watch really frequently Joe what was something that you like watched a lot I try to think as a kid I think I mean I didn't have like an overly strict home but it was a lot of PBS um at our house a lot of like Mr. Rogers, like uh, Sesame Street, Arthur. Arthur, Arthur, Wishbone, which which reminds me too, like the bedtime story kind of thing. What about like the what is it, the Crazy World of Richard Scarry? Yeah, 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 totally. Which this studio actually also produced. Yeah, also Canadian, I believe. Also Canadian. Like almost everything is, and not scary, unlike the show. Not scary at all. I mean. A very cute worm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of Ryan Gosling. I was going to just bring that up. This show, so many stars. So many stars. Not only was Ryan Gosling in it, a fun fact is Ryan Gosling was offered one of the Midnight Society, like, core kid roles. Like, all of those. So all those intro and outros, I also found out, were filmed on a soundstage. So that woods is not the outdoors. That is... Straight up, maybe even the same soundstage that we just saw Ariana Grande and uh, Blake Shelton do for The Voice with their little like campfire circle. They had the real bonfire though inside. I didn't. I did not know how they did that. That maybe that's legal in Canada. That was another really interesting thing because of standard business practices for television. So if you've never like produced or worked on a TV show before, um, there's especially with children's television, all of these you know kind of hoops you need to jump through and things that you need to abide to. Sarah and I, of course, experience this a lot working with students at Microsoft. There's a lot of like stipulations around that, but specifically with TV. So think of South Park when they have to like run their episodes by, you know, the, what would it be? The, the people who do all the censorship and is this okay to say on TV? Can we impersonate this person? And one of the issues that they had with Are You Afraid of the Dark is you'll notice they never light the fire. They're only like poking at the fire or putting the fire out. And that was literally because the producers and executives were like, oh, you can't show kids starting a fire on TV because like kids will start a fire in their own home. So that was very intentional. <laughs> That's so cool. I'm like so glad that the people who made the show though did think of that stuff. You know what I mean? Like if you're producing media for children, especially the like core, like I feel like you got to be like kind of careful about what messages you're sending or like what lessons you're teaching from that. Absolutely. And I have some thoughts about one of the episodes we watched today that I uh, did not think should have passed the uh, standard, but we'll, we'll get there. We'll get there. Interesting. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Um, a couple more. So originally it was going to be called Scary Tales. 
versus Are You Afraid of the Dark? As in like fairy tales, scary tales. Um, and the idea for the name Are You Afraid of the Dark came from a Dr. Seuss book called What I Was Scared Scared Of, which is um, the, the writer's answer to that. He was scared of clowns. So like that's how he kind of got the like, or he was afraid of the dark. Like that was his answer was I was afraid of the dark. Can I just say too, I like think it's such a genius title for the show too, because I think like good horror like taps into a common fear or anxiety. And like for children, what's like more common than darkness? You know what I mean? I feel like that's the most primal here. Well, and just like when they, like they, I love how they start it every single episode with, you know, just the midnight society around the fire pit in the middle of the woods, in the dark, like they're already on edge. You're already on edge. Nothing has even started yet. So even if the episode wasn't that scary. That swing set. Yeah. Mm. It's just like, it's perfect. Too spooky. That intro still scares me. I'm sorry, but it's like so terrifying. I cannot. It's very triggering to me. <laughs> well, I, I, I actually relate on the rewatch for the show. I was like, this is going to be silly. I watched in broad daylight. I still felt anxiety rewatching it. Yeah. It's so funny. I'm, I feel like I'm in, I, I have so much trauma because I watched it. And right when I started hearing the music and I started to see everything go, I was just like, oh, I'm home. This is, this is home. I feel so happy. <laughs> so you're literally that girl on TikTok who like had, um, who is it? The, who's the scary guy? See, I don't see any of these movies because they scare me with the white <laughs> face and like the red hair, you know, the mask. Oh, Pennywise from It? No, the like, the, this, this. Halloween. Michael Myers? Yes, Mike Myers. There's like this little girl on TikTok right now. Not Mike Myers, Michael Myers. Michael Myers. Mike Myers as Michael Myers. <laughs> See, I've just blocked it off from my head. But there's this little girl who's it's her birthday and they're like, who is that over there? And she's like, yay! That was literally <laughs> me. No joke. No joke. Oh my God. So the most terrifying story that I heard about Are You Afraid of the Dark was that DJ McHale, when he was casting this, he had to, so it was, it was filmed in Canada. So he would do auditions in like Montreal, Vancouver, then he would go to like, you know, LA and he would go to New York. So it was sort of this like circle of having to go around and he was seeing so many kids. He was auditioning so many kids for this that he ended up contracting chicken pox. He had never had chicken pox in his life. He was like in the oh, hotel no. in New York and was like, I have a red dot on my chest or he was in, I think, Montreal, had oh, to quarantine no. for 10 days. And this is before there was internet, YouTube, all of that stuff. He said, thankfully, the like Mets were playing in the World Series. They got to watch that and just like be bedridden for dead days. But he was an adult <laughs> with chicken box oh, quarantining. This poor That's man. terrifying. Wow, that is amazing, though. I I guess it's a that's one of the risks of working with lots of children is getting True. childhood diseases. And that is why everyone should get vaccinated. Um. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Learn a lesson from this, y'all. Okay, well, I kind of want to introduce the first episode we're going to talk about because speaking of um, redheads that you mentioned, Chloe, and speaking of Ryan Gosling, um, we're going to be talking about season one, episode two, The Tale of Laughing in the Dark first. And the guest star was Christian Tessier. I don't know if I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, as Josh. And that's interesting because he also guest starred in Say Cheese and Die, which was a Goosebumps episode that was starring Ryan Gosling. Oh. It all comes back. Oh, he's a redhead, so it all comes back full circle. You think I watched Goosebumps? No, girl. No, 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 no. 
I have no, I believe you, but there, I'm, that's going to have to be a podcast episode. There's no way I would have willingly watched it. My absolute favorite piece of Goosebumps is their um, Choose Your Own ad- like Adventure Goosebumps books. They were the best because you would get to the end of a page and it would say, do you want to go up into the attic or down into the basement? I don't want to go any of those. I don't want to read this book. <laughs> but let me, let me give the, the quick two seconds two-second synopsis of this episode. So Josh decides to prove that an amusement park funhouse isn't haunted by stealing the nose from a prop of Zebo the Clown, a circus performer who died in a funhouse fire while evading the police for robbery and is haunted by a chain of strange events punctuated by goofy laughter. Chloe and Joe, are y'all afraid of clowns? No. Not particularly. It's never been a strong fear. Um, I don't want to be one. I don't want to be like around them a lot. If I saw one, like a clown in the dark, I would be afraid. Um, But normal. I think I have a normal respect of a scary clown. I am the daughter of a clown. Um, Mm. My dad studied Italian clowning professionally. Not like big nose clown, like Commedia dell'arte, or as right. one of his students once mispronounced it, Chlamydia dell'arte, one of our favorite inside jokes with my dad. Um, and yeah, so I actually, I really love clowns and I have a respect for it. If nobody's watched the show Baskets, um, highly recommend it. It's a really, really great um, piece with Zach Galifianakis um, about the art of Italian clowning and all the shenanigans that ensue. I've also mentored a clown into tech. Shout out to Lorena, one of my favorite clowns from Ringling Brothers. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, I saw it um, as an adult, never saw it as a child, walked out of it too because I felt it was homophobic, but um, otherwise love clowns. <laughs> Big fan. Oh, like the old one. Oh no, the new one. The new one. The new. I I did not let. I did not enjoy that a, a gay man was murdered in the first five minutes. I thought it was very, there was a lot of homophobia in it and just like didn't sit well with me. So I I, I walked out of that. But um, but I don't think I'm scared of clowns. Like I I think that um, the idea of a clown in a sewer is freaking terrifying. But I'm not gonna watch that movie when I'm a kid. <laughs> I think the thing that scares me about clowns is really just that their face is depicting one thing and I don't know what they're actually planning on doing. It's hard to predict what they're planning on doing, but that is the same thing that scares me about people who are high. Like, I I don't know what you're planning on doing. Like, and I literally have like that fear of like, I don't know what's going on. So, you know, or like people who are very drunk, like very drunk people in like big places that terrifies me. I I literally don't want to go because I'm like, you, I I can't predict you. So that's, that's the only thing, but I've never really been afraid of clowns per se, just kind of that unpredictability of human nature. (laughs) I can tell Joe that Sarah does not watch RuPaul's Drag Race like we do. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that amount of makeup gets in a clown territory a couple of times. Uh, I've never thought about that with being unpredictable. Yeah, like all social rules are out the window. Like um, unpredictable. Uh, yeah, like, I suppose that's the thing with a lot of like demons and monsters and clowns. You just Yeah, it's the same. I think it's similar reason why like children in scary movies are scary, right? Because it's like, you're a child, you should be doing this, not holding a knife over my bed, you know, like, eh, I don't know. I'd like to change my answer. 
I am not scared of clowns. However, the whole concept of like creepy pedophiles, like at dressed as clowns or carnies or circus performers, like in scenarios with children, like I feel like that was that was a trope that we grew up with in the 90s where like there were all these like adults around us who shouldn't have been around kids. And that was like very like a like a scary tale. Like, don't talk to strangers. Don't take candy from a clown. Like, so I guess I I approach clowns with hesitation if that if that checks out. Also, did y'all go to like carnivals and fairs as children? Who? State fair. California State Fair every year. Um, I've dabbled in a county fair or two. Love a good funnel cake. Yeah. You, yeah, a lot of county fairs, like Shriners, I, I don't know if that's a national thing, but those like oh, shows. Oh, what is that? They have funny hats and drive the little cars around. Uh, oh. They have a circus. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> oh, okay. Shriners, Shriners. Yes. Okay. This is ringing a bell. Yeah, I, I've been to Grand Clowns. I, uh, yeah, like in circuses. And I, I'm from Minnesota. We have a humongous state fair, but there's not a lot of clowns there. There's a couple. We get a normal, normal clown. Yeah, we had um, a county fair, and we went every year. It was my favorite. Um, They were a ton of fun. There weren't a ton of clowns, but the fun houses were my absolute favorite. Like, those scary fun houses where you have to walk through them. Some of them were kind of scary. Some of them are scary just because you don't know, even though there's, like, nothing in it. Um, And that's, like, a huge part of this episode. So watching that just really brought back memories. I also uh, was hypnotized at a county fair. Um, on stage yeah I've got that VHS that's an that's that's a fear that's a fear for me I think yeah me too I have to say Chloe you mentioned going into haunted houses as a no-no I'm the same way I love horror films but like the fear being touched by someone like a strange like that like does not fun and I know they won't hurt me but like I just don't I don't want to go in that space Joe like you my dad does not like to be touched in haunted houses um and one time someone who was you know paid to like scare people got a little close and he definitely punched them in the face (laughs) i feel like that's a risk of the job and he was escorted out yeah (laughs) so i don't like so i know exactly what you're talking about those like haunted houses but you know which one the ones that i like are you know at the end of greece (laughs) where they're going through that like you better shape up okay that thing i like where you like stand on the thing and it spins like where it just whacks you into metal and you bruises all over your body I will. I only enjoy haunted houses when I'm with someone that's more afraid than I am. (laughs) I don't know what it is. I literally have no fear. I'm just enjoying it. Like it's just fun. But if I am the one who's most afraid, I absolutely hate them. Like I cannot do it. Okay, so I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, you guys probably saw way more Are You Afraid of the Dark than me, but I feel like I was very afraid of House of Mirrors for a long time because of Are You Afraid of the Dark, and then I did one, and I was like, oh, it's just really hot in here, and there's a lot of class. (laughs) Um, But I didn't do any of the spooky, like, walk through haunted houses, but anything that I had to climb, like basically a metal glorified um, McDonald's play place that they would have at these state fairs. I was in because it was like not that many tickets to ride and didn't scare me. Just like probably gave me bodily harm and injury for the rest of my adult life. Have either of you been to Sleep No More in New York? No, Mm -mm. never heard of it. Are you familiar with what it is? Mm -mm. Okay, so I push this offer so long um because my boyfriend really wanted to go as you both know i am a, a patron of the arts i am a former former actress is this um, the one where you like walk around the stage and it's like a building you wear a mask yes yeah, so it's this 
really creepy mask that you wear. It's called Sleep No More. It's in the Hotel McKittrick in New York. And you buy a ticket for like a three-hour chunk. And my boyfriend went before, I think before we were even dating. And he was like, let's go to this together. And I was like, scary masks in a place where people can touch me, move me around. I'm good. I'm out. But he finally convinced me to go. I actually really, really enjoyed it. It's it's so for anybody who's not familiar with it, they're doing a production of Macbeth, but all the actors are like physically in the space and you can choose what rooms you go to. You can open drawers sometimes. Okay. This is the part. So I'm so glad this didn't happen to me because this would be my literal nightmare. So everyone's experience is different. My boyfriend's experience is different than mine. Like they encourage you not to stay with your friends and to like run off. Like you can literally, I chased someone down a hallway at one point to like follow after them. Or I just like sat with someone at a bar for a while and you're not, they don't talk to you. You cannot touch them and they technically cannot touch you, but there's also like boobs and penises and like is is very sexy as well. There's a big orgy scene you can walk into. It's it's pretty cray cray. You're saying this is the goosebumps choose your adventure of theater. <laughs> In a way, except here's something that that okay, so I do it, I love it, I have a great time. And then afterwards you go up on the rooftop bar and it's like very New York. It's like it's great, right? But when I was waiting in line to go into the bar, I was listening to this girl's conversation in front of me because again. Your experience will vary depending on, like, I was reading about it afterwards on Reddit and, like, sometimes they'll give you a necklace and then you get to keep the necklace. And I was, like, very jealous. I wanted a necklace. But people go back multiple times to, like, do different storylines and get different experiences. But only, like, one out of the group of 100 people will get certain experiences. And this girl in front of me in line is, like, talking to her friends. They're, like, how was this? My favorite part is the regime. My favorite part is this. And she's, like, so as we're in the elevator, someone taps me on my shoulder pulls me into the secret room. They put me on a gurney. I'm in the gurney looking up at the ceiling. There's a cityscape above me with tiny people. And I'm, and I'm just like, oh my God. Like, and, they, and then they take me into this igloo and they take me into the igloo. And I'm like, this is literally leaving my house. Like people touching me, putting me on a gurney, moving me around, putting me in a wheelchair. I'm, I'm good. So I think like even interactive theater to me, as someone who used to have to be the actor making the audience member participate, my face said, join us on stage. But my brain said, I'm so sorry. I hate this as much as you do. Please forgive me. <laughs> like audience participation is a big no-no for me, for anything. <laughs> Speaking of that kind of um, random grabbing you in a haunted house type or interactive play, um, one thing that really surprised me in this episode was at the very beginning when the little sister is like, coming in to talk to them and they're like oh no get away and then he's like telling her a scary story and then he says and then they tickle them tickle 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 and like chases her and I was just like this is so weird like what teenage boys say tickle 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 as they chase a little sister out of the room what teenage boy is named Ouija w-e-e-g-e-e -E -E -E. <laughs> I like that name <laughs> I was like Short for Luigi or just Ouija? <laughs> so just kind of the 90s slang, right? You guys are Phoebes. Okay. <laughs> they, I swear they make up a lot of it. Some of the insults are very lame. It, oh, it, 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 like, dead me. it feels like writing for a children's show in the 90s for sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I the first note that I took, and I knew that Joe would have some opinions on this, the fashion. I wanted that color block shirt that the little sister was wearing so bad. Oh, yes. I literally wrote, I love the 90s clothes. They look like cotton. <laughs> which I understand that they were cotton, but I was saying like, like, the the nostalgia of cotton like that 90s where everything was just cotton and it was like thick cotton i don't know 
I loved it. I just came up with a new segment for the show. It's Chloe's Chloe's lyrical melodies. We'll get a, a catchier name. But the touch, the feel of cotton, the fabric of our lives. Like cotton was got milk and cotton. Big milk, big cotton, so big at this time. <laughs> the fashion of the show is like how I want to dress today. Like oversized shirts, snapbacks, like giant like overalls. pants. Overalls, yeah. It yeah, it's definitely making a moment back here with like the fashion, I think, but I'm like was taking notes for sure. Even just like the t-shirts, you know? We love to see a bucket hat. For those who cannot see me right now, which is all of the folks who are who are viewing uh, or who are listening, <laughs> I am currently wearing my shirt um, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society, which is my Are You Afraid of the Dark shirt from Homage, Homage, however you pronounce it, the softest shirts in the world. Please sponsor us. We only wear your shirts. We love you. Only. I literally <laughs> have thrown away every other shirt. <laughs> I never realized how Canadian this show was until this viewing as an adult. Um, and I think that was very evident in a a line that I'm curious if you guys caught this. So they they caught they cut back to the Midnight Society a couple of times. Ooh, and another mm. thing I should mention, y'all, something really interesting that that the writer mentioned about this was they couldn't just film the uh intro outros of the midnight society beforehand because they needed to know what the episode was and and Mm -hmm. as we all noticed from this like they were very specific intros to the episode that like had to do with the theme or whatever and there is a moment where they cut back to the midnight society and you know the if for anybody who hasn't watched it there's uh, this beautiful actress i've recognized her from a bunch of stuff she's still working today who's one of the core blonde um lady from the midnight society Mm -hmm. she's scared of clowns at the beginning and they're kind of teasing her like you're afraid of clowns and they cut back later and there's this younger boy blonde boy who who gets up i thought he said i got a crap and i had to replay it three different (laughs) times the subtitles say i got a cramp um i personally don't get scared and they're like oh no you know you have to stay here but i truly thought that this young child had to take a shit and um that was my interpretation (laughs) of the canadian accents Lost in translation. Yeah. Maybe we'll do a, maybe we'll do an audio cut right here of the I got a crap. Hope you can still smell your stinky cigars without your nose. <laughs> I got a crap. I don't think so. I got a crap. I got a crap. I like literally was just like a crazy woman in her 30s replaying this over um, for scientific purposes. <laughs> I got a cramp. That's why subtitles are so important, especially for like 90 shows with like when the audio can be kind of all over the place. Um, super helpful. I actually have been using subtitles more than usual lately. And I really enjoy when something is not uh, done correctly, but I know it's mm. correctly. Like I, I feel like, you know, oh, that's a correction and a mission, Real Housewives of OC. <laughs> it's actually tough mother, not tough mother. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love that. It's amazing. It, it can help and like depending on what it is. I've actually just reading about like Squid Game, which is like big on Netflix right now. Yes, I read about this too. There's some controversy about the Korean subtitles not being like accurate and like changing context for like English listeners. But yeah, it's like interesting how much like politically or like how much that the subtitle can have like an impact on your understanding of it. And it's probably even harder for translating, but and Canadian like translating from Canadian to 
American English probably isn't too big of a deal, but it is apparently. I got a cramp. I mean, I canonically think he's saying he needs to crap. I played it back five times, but it says cramp. I don't know. Jury's out, y'all. Let, let us know at home what your thoughts. Tweet at us, please. Crap or, hashtag crap or cramp, please. Let's get that trending. <laughs> there was this moment when they were like arguing. So, I, you know, um, Josh has to go. He's he's dared to go through the funhouse and then steal the nose of Zebo. which first of all, those doors in that final room and all the same shapes, like I felt like I wanted a house out of those doors. Like right when I saw them, I was like, oh my God, I remembered as a kid really wanting them. Um, but they they come out of it and Josh calls his friend and they have like this amazing conflict resolution discussion of like, I'm sorry that I was so mean to you. No, I understand. You just, and I was just like, what is this gorgeous teenage boy conflict resolution? Like, I love it. Way to it's put Canadian. that in there. It's Canadian, Sarah. I've always like spiritually identified as a Canadian, truly. Like, <laughs> and I think it's because I was raised by so much of this Canadian television. Yeah, <laughs> I think so. I mean, I think I totally, I think that's huge showing that too. I, I don't know if y'all saw this in your research too, but, uh, I think they want they want a double N, uh, NCAA, NAACP uh, award for like image media. Um, in the first season, over half the writers were women and over half of the stories are about female centric characters, too. Um, That's great. This this whole series, I just loved how every single episode had a completely different person. And in one of the episodes we'll talk about later. There was even like an interracial couple, which, yes. you know, nowadays maybe Incredible. doesn't seem like a big deal. But for us in the early, early 90s, seeing this like, you know, casual on camera was just amazing. Well, I'm going to mention at every episode, I'm going to mention racist karate guy from Mary Kate and Ashley Adventures because I cannot believe that made it to film. Like, truly, all the shows that we've seen so far, like even Harriet the Spy, we were like, there's no Asian representation in here. There's like, there's very, it's very rare that you see an interracial couple. And Nickelodeon was really one of the only places doing that at the time that I can think of. Yeah, they were really trying to like, not be too Disney, I think is what uh, DJ McHale said too. He was trying to avoid that like, freckles apple pie uh over the top acting kind of style and you want to like kind of make it more natural you know what the doors reminded me of inside the fun house um it was a combination and it was probably honestly it was probably the same set designer if we check it was a combination of what would you do set remember and what would you do they had all the doors that you would open for the prizes slash um a little slight combination of like oh like what was the show where there was the big head you mean the big head where you have to climb up the nose? No, this was like, it was hosted by Summer Sanders. <laughs> Why do I know that? <laughs> figure it out. Figure it out. They would have like Keenan and Kel and like all the all that cast as the like celebrity coaches, the kids. And it would be like, I put a blank in my blank. And it was like, oh God. And it was like, I put a pizza in the mail. And it was like, <laughs> wild kids. <laughs> it reminded me of Nightmare Before Christmas yes the doors which was my literal dream as a child like I wanted to go into the woods and find those doors same with the holidays on them 
<laughs> yeah. What they did get really wrong in this episode was when Josh pulled out the thing of cigars from the microwave that had just finished beeping with his bare hands. Who can pull out a little thing of like ceramic bowl from a microwave with your bare hands? Because I will tell you, I still have burns on my hands from doing that last night. Like that's not that's not real. That's not real. This sounds like this is touching on a common fear of touching hot microwave. Yes. This was great anti-smoking propaganda. Like, I never wanted to smoke a cigar. I mean, what is more terrifying than that smell? Like, I could smell that image when he, like, the cigars. took those cigars out of the microwave. I was like, stinky. <laughs> I did love the storyline when they're talking on the phone, though, and then they hear the second line getting picked up because kids nowadays will never understand what that means. But like, <laughs> that's right. They're, they're like, you know, did your sister just pick up the other line? No, that was on your end. My sister, you know, nobody's we only have one phone, remember? And he's like, what? Who's on the other line? And then Zebo just starts like laughing and being like, I'm going to come up there. And and it's like, you know, the the fear of the other line getting picked up, like. A very real 90s thing. I mean, we only ever had one t one phone, but like, I remember that. I have a feeling were we to watch more episodes of this. So I recently started watching a lot of the old Seinfeld episodes. Mm. So many of their problems would have been resolved by a cell phone. Or internet. Yeah. Like, you know, oh, I left a note or like stuff like that. And I think that was a perfect example, Sarah. Like, I remember at that moment, I was like, oh, I would I would have been like, did you drop something? <laughs> like, I bet a lot of the the things that we would have been scared about now would have been resolved by a quick call to 911 on ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Actually, that makes me, what would like a modern episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark? Because there is a revival happening right now. Of yeah. yeah. 2019. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, isn't, um, what's that show? Uh, Black Mirror feels yeah. very Are You Afraid of the Dark to me. Like, That's I feel true. like a lot of it would be like identity stuff and like, mm -hmm. like, I feel like it would be like getting your nudes leaked, <laughs> but not for, for kids, it would be like, you know, uh, your Google Drive gets, I don't know. <laughs> and then your Minecraft server shuts down. Yeah. That would be Ayla's, my daughter's. <laughs> the fear I think about, and we talked about this earlier, but is like, especially when like, we're recording this at night, it's dark where Sarah is right now, but like mm -hmm. seeing a dark figure in the back of someone's webcam mm -hmm. is like terrifying yes. to me. It feels like a very modern horror story. Uh, That's true. Oh my I, God. I'm like nervous. There's like a door moves or something. I'm out. Like, I'm terrified. So I recently tweeted out for, I gave a talk recently about online netiquette. So how to be a good mm. citizen in a meeting. So like all the pet peeves and gotchas and stuff. And I tweeted my followers and I said, tell me your favorite, like funny, you know, embarrassing stories from the pandemic of having to work from home. And I will make sure that we post this image to social media because I think about it literally every day. This hilarious man said, I was in the meeting, in the middle of the meeting at like 5 a.m., um, you know, minding my own business. And I look in my camera and I see my four-year-old daughter with a Lucha Libre you know, mask on, like a luchador mask, just standing there in her nightgown. And my coworkers didn't say anything the whole time, just like standing there. He, he And then he posted a picture of it. It's one of the scariest, funniest things I've ever seen. Because it's just like a Princess Elsa, like nightgown with like this luchador mask on. Um, but yeah, I think like, that would probably just freak me out if I was streaming or something and like someone was behind me. <laughs> that absolutely sounds terrifying. Yeah, I think they should hire you. <laughs> it's a good <laughs> idea. 
Um, I also wrote down great handwriting on that balloon, uh, Zebo. Great job. Like, graphic design and fonts are his passion, apparently. Um, <laughs> I want to know what parent let Josh have a lock on the inside of his door because it wasn't like I remember when I was a kid locking your bedroom door was a huge no-no and it had nothing to do with like violating my privacy it had to do with the fear of a fire starting and my family not being able to get to me or like the fear of an earthquake and I couldn't believe that the kid had a lock on his door you know I just realized something I have lived with the biggest fear my whole life um my childhood home did not have locks on any of the doors (laughs) even the bathrooms so I was just living in constant fear because we lived in like an early, early, like, you know, 1940s, 1920s house or something. So like, we just didn't have any locks on the doors. So maybe my, my biggest fear realized would have been someone walking in on me in the bathroom, which never happened. Surprisingly. <laughs> that is lucky. That is really lucky. I hope you had a, a lock in the front door. Yeah, we did. But no locks on any of our in like the bathrooms didn't have locks but like nothing inside had locks we did have a creepy little door to the attic though we had like one of those little doll doors to the attic that you could like go into so like that was i don't have anything else written down for this one yeah i mean we can move on to the next one joe anything else no that's it for that one all right so our next episode is the tale of the super specs which is still season one episode six and this one is um a prankster named weeds buys a pair of novelty x-ray specs that allow the wearer to see into another dimension populated by figures in black that are looking to merge with the known universe. Populated by Kim Kardashian at the Met. <laughs> oh my God. I literally did not make that connection. Literally the minute I saw it, I was like, I am super cutting this footage with pictures of her because every time she popped up I was like Kim <laughs> like all black like <laughs> yeah for people at home it's like the episode is a, it, when you put these specs on you see these like cosmic beings covered in like a black what are those uh like a, like a shrouded uh, hood thing yeah it's like, like a skin tight like green man suit right like uh head to toe covered literally what she wore to the Met Gala like literally <laughs> like who knows if it was actually them under there? I think they were just in bed sleeping and eating popcorn and laughing at all of us while two body doubles went. Oh, yeah. I do love that conspiracy theory. I picked this one, too. I love this episode. I'm a big fan of cosmic horror as a genre. Mm-hmm. This feels one of the most cosmic horror. Wait, what is cosmic horror? Explain that to me. Uh, it's, like, from H.P. Lovecraft kind of invented it. But oh, it's, like, this okay, idea okay. of, like, um, larger beings than us kind of, like, causing insanity. Cthulhu is probably the most famous uh, of the, sure. like, the of H.P. Lovecraft. Who, H.P. Lovecraft is a was a piece of shit, but like the cosmic horror genre is really great. I don't know if you've seen like Annihilation, Evil Dead yes. also dabbles in that. Um, I loved Annihilation. Okay, yes. yeah. Evil Dead the musical is okay, yeah. <laughs> exactly. See, yeah, yeah, I yeah. don't like spooky, but I dabble. Um, interesting. Because like this one probably was one of the weirder ones for me because I'm still getting, like I'm newer to sci-fi and that like, I just was a musical theater girl my whole life and in the last six years have started to appreciate sci-fi and I'm still not totally, I won't say uncomfortable. My brain still has yet to understand the multiple universes thing. Like Rick and Morty is enjoyable for me, but I'm also like, wait a second, how do they, what do they? So I think the ending to this spoiler alert was just kind of like, as a kid, I would have been like, (laughs) 
Is that a pretty common, is multiple universe thing a pretty common thing for cosmic sci-fi? Uh, or what do you call it? Aliens is very common. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, aliens, insanity. I don't know. It's honestly, actually, in MCU moves a lot into the th- the cosmic horror, especially this I, okay. like the new Doctor Strange movies at the mouth of, or like the Mountain of Madness, Mouth of Madness, or something, which is like an homage to HP division a little bit yeah um the new like new spider-man's gonna be dealing with multiverse stuff like this like cosmic largeness or um loki is definitely kind of dabbling yes. in this too um yeah so i think okay. it's definitely becoming more mainstream i have two childhood movies that are like like that and i think i would technically classify them as cosmic horror um but maybe not uh the first is don't look under the bed which was mm. the 1999 film um, where, yeah, so that one's a Disney one, Disney original movie, which we should definitely cover on this pod. But um, basically it's like, it's imaginary friends that like live under your bed and there's like a mm-hmm. whole world under the bed. But oh, totally. before I ever saw that one, it was Little Monsters. What's that? With Fred Savage sounds- and Howie Mandel. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to see an image of this. It's called Little Monster. Oh my God. This was one of my absolute favorite movies. And it's similar. It's about the monsters that live under your bed. And there's a whole world that is under your bed. And basically, um, Fred Savage like goes down and discovers this whole world. And But the monsters are like wreaking havoc on the above world. Um, and it's just the best. Wow, the oh, fashion, I'm already obsessed. He's wearing a skeleton earring. I'm in, the monster. I mean, it's just, it, that's Howie. That's Howie right there. Nothing like and, a and, back-to-back cover of like a child and a monster. Like, seriously. It's the comedy buddy I film. I know. <laughs> it really is, though. And I mean, speaking of fashion, when this episode of Are You Afraid of the Dark first starts, um, one of the Midnight Society kids definitely has on that really, really, really stretched out like tank tee with a jean vest over it. And I was just like, pure icon right there. Pure, <laughs> pure fashion icon. Yeah, every episode was a slam dunk. I thought that that kid was Adam Scott at first. I was like, is that Adam <laughs> Scott? Because I love Adam Scott. And he was in like Boy Meets World and stuff. But I was like, oh, no, it's just an Adam Scott Canadian lookalike. You know, I think the scary part for this episode for me, especially as a child, was like having this like – your space be invaded by something you couldn't see. Like it felt like, like at the end, uh, she's like seeing these people when she puts on these specs, she sees them everywhere at school, at the magic shop. But at the end, she finally sees them within her own home. And like, for me, like having your home be like a, not a safe place anymore. was like, was I think, especially if, as a kid was like a really terrifying concept. And it still is like home invasion, still huge fear of mine, but having like a spectral demon coming through like your home, like Poltergeist. That, that was yes. also one of my favorite kid movies. <laughs> Childhood movies. Since I never saw any of the scary stuff like this, I actually feel the opposite about like seeing, like I always wanted to see things that other people couldn't because mm-hmm. of Big Rock mm-hmm. Candy Mountain. Do you remember this show? I know the like, song. It was like this um, show that kind of had live action people in costumes. You're going to have to do it on the show, Sarah. Um, very much in the same style and vein of that Alice in Wonderland live action that Disney used Mm. to do. Mm. And there were these two, like, characters. It was her, like, two little teddy bears or something. And when the parents would see her playing with the teddy bears, they'd be like, come on inside, it's time for lunch. But, like, when you saw it through her eyes, it was these two, like, 
lesbian women in giant bear costumes, like playing with her. Like it's what she saw as the like child, like playing mm-hmm. make believe. But then once like the icy dead people stuff of it all came out with um, Sixth Sense when we were like in elementary school, I was like, I don't want to see things that other people don't. They're all ghosts. I don't want to see it. <laughs> I can't believe you guys were watching such scary stuff. But then again, I was scared of Mars Attacks. So what am I talking about? You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I think if you like it, great. If you don't, it's like eating spicy food. Like if yeah. you like people brag about eating spicy food, like who gives a shit? Like, no, you know, eat whatever you like. You know what I mean? Uh, I doesn't mean you're brave or cool. So are you guys scared of Blair Witch Project and like the ring? Because like yeah. even that stuff scared me a lot yeah. in like middle school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those terrified me. Th- those are like up there for my most like psychologically damaging. Like found footage stuff. I can't. I can't do those. I would say yeah. like the first time I saw them, I was definitely scared. Um, the first time I ever saw the ring, we actually had cell phones and my mom Right when we finished watching, because I watched it with her, I went to bed and I was like kind of freaked out. And then she called me and said, seven days. And I was just like, no, you're an asshole. (laughs) No, I can't. I could not. That was another thing of of that era was like Scream, the phone, like the calls coming from inside the house, like all of that. Scream is my all time favorite movie. Now we are just everywhere with a phone. We don't even need a landline to be scared. We can, I'm scared all the time. People are stalking me by the lake. Yeah. (laughs) How times have changed. I think my absolute favorite scene was when the um, figures from the other dimension are playing basketball. Uh, I love that too. (laughs) You know what mine was? Mine was the final scene where um, the woman in black and her eyeballs are like, looking over the children and uh, Sardo in the black room. Um, it, it was just like a striking image of this, the light and the flashing and then these huge like eyes just staring and talking at these kids. Uh, yeah, I that really, I love that image. It, 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 I love the effects. They're so low budget, but they're so effective. Oh, but also, did you notice that every single episode has its own original score? That was so rare for, like, any kids' show. Like, literally, I once I read that, I noticed, like, every moment had an emphasis and, like, was individually scored for each thing. So in those big, like, climactic moments, like, the whole first one that we watched, it was all clown circus music. Yeah, and this wow. one was very, like, eerie. Like, there was sort of almost an electronic sound whenever she had the glasses that was like, paper, paper, paper. And I thought it was my phone. I had to, like, take my headphones off. And I was like, is that my phone? Like, what's going on? But that was, even with Doug, think about Doug. It was all the same stuff. Or even Rugrats. It was like, baba. Like, they didn't do a lot of, like, individualized music for these shows. So that's, like... That makes me think of two things. Like, one, this is an anthology show, which is, like, a huge horror tradition. But, like, each episode takes you all over the place. They're dealing with new characters, new themes, new horror, like, things. Like, so, like, you probably need different music for each genre you're doing. And two, like, I feel like music and horror are, like, really strong. Like, like knowing when you should be scared or anticipating something or even Psycho or Halloween's, like, iconic themes. Like, music and scores are so tightly tied to the horror genre. I think it's really important for, like, establishing mood. But I had no idea. I didn't even notice the original. But, that like, good for them for, like, seeing that, though. I loved that this horror was designed for kids. Like, it was designed to be scary, but also, like, you know, they would kind of stay on the scary scene for like a beat too long if this was like an adult horror film you know what I mean so I felt like it was 
it kind of had all of, like you were just saying, Joe, like all of the pieces of classic horror that you would see as an adult, but but like, you know, toned down and for kids. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, different ending. And apologies when necessary and needed. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Yeah. And no blood. Uh, yeah. You know, no. it is yeah. usually, they usually get out of it. Sometimes yeah. a bully gets killed. Uh, yeah. yeah. It, or taken somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, one last thing. I have one last thing about that episode. Loved the character actor who played the magic shop owner. Loved that guy. Loved his shirt. Sardo. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Sardo. He was having a blast. He comes back a lot. Yeah. The Dan Flashes shirt. He's a reoccurring character on the show. And I agree. He was, like, acting circles around these kids. But also, like, having just a blast. He was just having super fun playing a, a wild, eccentric magic man. And how could you not? Just like being in Canada and filming like scary stuff with kids. Like, I mean, even just like, I did, okay. I gotta admit, I was not scared by any of these. I have overcome my fears, y'all. But like, even the clowns weren't that scary. But imagine how much fun that Carnival Barker actor like had on set that day. Must have been like a great shoot for him. Yeah. Aaron Tager is, is, is a recurring actor on Are You Afraid of the Dark too. He plays a lot of um, characters. I was reading too, like in the early '90s when they were filming the show. They had like they were the only show in town in Montreal, so like they had the run oh, of the town. Yeah. They could film anywhere. They had like any the best actors in Montreal. Like that was that was the only place to get work. Lots of locations, just like so many locations in these, like interior room, basement, like uh, in in a pool. <laughs> yeah, schools, wherever. I I feel like everyone's like. Montreal was just like, great, you're filming something. Like, come on in. We don't mm -hmm. care. The school makes it Yeah, it's just you and Degrassi here. Come on over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so the next episode, um, speaking of bullies who might get taken, is season one, episode 11, which, by the way, every season has 13 episodes. Um, so this is episode <gasps> Ooh, 11. Spooky. Yeah. The Tale of the Dark Music. And the synopsis is Andy moves into a new neighborhood where things do not start out well until he figures out that there is something hidden inside his basement that only seems to appear whenever music is played. <gasps> Hope it's nothing bad. Hope he doesn't uh, misuse it at all. Joe, have you seen Newsies? Yes. Okay, so my only note that I took on this, other than like stop plugging this shit in, is um, the doll is Meta Larkin from Newsies, which is oh. very fresh on my brain. No, because I mean, like, it looks like old Anne-Margaret, like, trying to appear much younger and wearing, like, a curly wig. I was like, that's terrifying. This this character from Newsies <laughs> is in there. Um, I just wanted him to stop plugging that damn thing and stop playing music. This is the town from Footloose. You cannot dance or play music. <laughs> you know what happens. Yeah, so like in the in the show, when you play music in this basement, the door opens and some sort of creepy thing emerges from it. Uh, a carnival man, a creepy doll, a skeleton. Uh, oh, loved him. Love the skeleton. Some of the best acting work in this. Yeah, but like in the whole episode, like playing on this, like we as an as an audience understand pretty quickly that it's the music and the stereo that's causing these bad things to happen. Keep like the characters have no idea this is like what's happening until it's like there's a lot of door scares in this series. Like all the scares have to do with doors, which is interesting. Yeah, because I guess it's a, a, the door is the thing keeping the demon at bay when there's no music. Um, 
I would love to know where this mu- this demon comes from and why he loves. I want I want the backstory on this demon and why he loves music. Well, was it the uncle? Because they talk about the uncle at the beginning. They're like, oh, the uncle died. Yeah, he so used the demon because the the uncle was rich, like beyond. Yeah, he died rich and famous. Yeah, and but he never left his home. Was what the mom said. Can you imagine? This is like, and the, the episode takes place in like the suburbs of Montreal. So it's like a very nice, re- but like, can you imagine having like a a Bill Gates living in this like just normal suburb, just like no, nothing fancy. But you would never know because he just never left. No, but that, but isn't that, doesn't that allude that he didn't leave because he got everything that he wanted because he fed people to the demon? The so cycle like, continues. Yes. Yes. So like Bill Gates, what you're trying to tell me is Bill Gates is like feeding people to a demon. I Bill Gates had a demon in this basement. You heard it here first. <laughs> and for people who are just watching too, so the episode, right? Like the whole episode, it's like. What is the thing driving this demon out? What's going to happen? Uh, and at the end, the, like the main character realizes it's this demon. He has this like a, a moment where he realizes he can start using it. And that's when he lures the the town bully that's beating him up and destroying his bikes and kind of just terrorizing him on stuff. Well, I don't even think he realizes it before then because he he w- I I think he was just trying to scare the bully. And and he like lured the bully down into the basement just to scare the bully, but then he goes down there after the bully stops like mysteriously stops making noise and the bully's gone and then all of a sudden like the door opens and basically like spits out a new bike and then the door opens and is like do you like your bike you can have anything you want all you have to do is keep feeding me and then the like bully turns the camera like yes and i'm like you're so bad <laughs> well this is little shop of horrors without blood right like the door is audrey too and he gets everything that he wants because he's like feeding like feed me like that's the first thing i thought when it was like feed me i was like feed me like i'm ready for this plant to come out um yeah oh that that bully was definitely like the inspo for sid from toy story (laughs) that was like the fashion the mullet (laughs) he's wearing like all black Long hair, yeah, boots. yeah, he definitely looks like it. Yeah, the boots, yeah. Also, the music stings every time the bully comes on. It's like like electric, <laughs> uh, which I thought was cool. Like that was it was. I think it was supposed to imply he was like a mean jerk. Oh my god, it's kind of like Roger from Doug. Didn't they do that with Roger too? They'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that score. That was the best moment with that. Also, just like the '90s radios and stuff like that like just like yeah, giant yeah. yellow walkmans and giant speakers oh, I, I also saw on like a trivia site thing that you can hear the the sound effects of donkey kong being played <gasps> in the background when the little girl is playing a video game she's like no, no i don't want to go down there oh my gosh so at the end um it's implied that he sacrifices his sister to the the, de- the music demon in this basement. Do you think he actually killed her? Because, like, he talks about it afterwards to the Midnight Society. They say, like, did he sacrifice his sister? And he's like, no. I think this is how John Benet Ramsey died. Yeah, that, that's Burke. It's Burke's origin story, for sure. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, this definitely feels like a villain or like uh, origin yeah. story to me. Well, it he turns like, to the camera and he's got like a smoky eye and like his yeah. eyes are all like blue. Yeah, he says paybacks are sweet, and then it, it cuts. It's done. Yeah, <laughs> ominous. I kind of feel like though, like I mean, I'm I know I'm thinking too much like an adult at this point, but like if his sister goes missing, even if this basement demon can give him everything he wants, he's really not going to have a great life. Like. 
his family's going to be like concerned about the sister missing and like there's going to be police everywhere wondering where his new bike came from i was thinking the same thing i'm like if i had this like what what, what would i be doing like would I do it? And then if I did, how would I get away with it? <laughs> I mean, tell that to John Benet Ramsey's brother. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I thought the same. And I was thinking of this episode too. Like, I think it clearly this is like showing up like a, a abhorrent thing. And like, does the episode do enough to tell children that this is like a bad behavior? No, like, no, because no, not at all. kind of like I truly feel like the look that he gives to the camera is like, well, wouldn't you? Like, it's just kind of like, I'm gonna put my sister in here. Yeah, like. <laughs> I got a new bike. It really felt like this was the only one that didn't have a happy ending because I think as a kid, you know that he shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And so I feel like in a way it like wasn't a happy ending. It was like good didn't triumph, right? Evil did. Well, good didn't triumph in the last one. They got stuck in a crystal ball. That's true. But they lived. I guess the bully did die. This is the first death that I'm aware of in the show too. Yeah. I, I feel I have mixed feelings about it because the show definitely spends a lot of time setting up that this bully deserved it. Except for his dad. Like the whole scene with his dad is like clearly he's being bullied by this dad. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. And it's a child too. Like I was like for a second, I was like, this bully needs to get it. But also like he's a kid who gets abused by his dad. Like exactly. That's pretty sad. Yeah. And the episodes definitely spends, wants time for us to know that he like, it isn't all his fault. Like, Comes from a broken home, probably. Yeah. 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 I mean, maybe. Okay, here's what I'd like to think. And maybe this is just, like, me not being a spooky story person. Maybe the carnival is really fun inside that door. I mean, that doll was really nice. She just wanted mm-hmm. to play. Like, I feel like maybe there's something better on the other side. That's true. We don't know what the demon's doing with the children. Maybe it's fun. The Barker wanted us to play. Let's go. Let's play some midway games, dude. Like, let's do this. Oh, gosh. <laughs> so maybe it is a happy ending. Maybe he's in purgatory. Maybe that's yeah. what it is. Like, he did something bad, mm. and this is a dream, and he's going to wake up in a crystal ball. That's what I think. Personally. <laughs> it sounds like the rationalizations that our uh, lead character is probably making. Yeah, sure. Uh, it's great. We're helping everyone. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the origin of a supervillain for sure. That's uh... yeah. It's actually a therapist behind here, so like you can take care of all those parent <laughs> issues, bully. Like it's great. Yeah, I. There's another show. There's a '70s movie called The Pit, which is like a similar theme as this. This kid finds a pit full of like uh, troglodyte demons from a long time ago, and he requires to, like eat meat. And it's the whole movie is him tricking <gasps> people into falling in this pit so they get eaten. Um, but it's the same thing, like a child. And the, the idea of this, that movie, too, it's, like, a coming-of-age movie of this boy, like, having, like, I don't know, growing up and having, like, he's going through puberty and, like, having to hide this, like, dark secret within him. About, like, and, like, the 13th year, Merman. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Merman! Yeah, that is, like, 13th year. Uh, I don't know. They definitely didn't lean into, like, the coming-of-age. Like, he, I mean, the, kid, the, Eric, the character or the actor playing him looked like his... It looks like he's got a Teddy Ruxpin. Or yeah, that's kind. the one. Yeah, it does look good. Which also, cassettes, listening to cassette stories, Teddy Ruxpin. Yeah. Um, Teddy Ruxpin. Oh my gosh, yes. Which yeah. I still have mine. I'm going to be taking it apart soon and making some taxidermy of it. Ooh, that'd be fun. Yeah, or turn it to like an IoT project or something. Yeah, the whole concept of like toys come to life also comes into play in this one as well. Like, I remember the. Have either of you seen Muppet Christmas Carol? I haven't memorized it. Only every year. Muppet yeah. Christmas Carol. So you know how there's the ghost of Christmas past, I want to say, who's yeah. this scary kind of 
ghost doll that used to scare the crap out of me and really it was just a muppet with a you know lighter camera angle on her but like Mm -hmm. i think the whole like tiny dolls come to life i think that's maybe why my mom built me a dollhouse because she was Mm -hmm. like no you don't have to be terrified of dolls coming to life like actually it's okay these tiny houses are fine (laughs) i think sarah and i are gonna have to have you watch the dollhouse episode of are you afraid of the dark yeah i will watch that one only because I feel like that's one of the few that I remember from this series that yeah. like really scared the pee-pee out of me. And having watched Mars Attacks recently, I need to compare my thoughts now. <laughs> Maybe it's like a comedy. <laughs> Who knows? Some of my like ones that we're not going to cover today because we only have one left. But some of the ones that I, I really loved um, were The Tale of the Dollmaker, mm-hmm. um, The Tale of the Lonely Ghost. Oh my God, The Tale of the Lonely mm-hmm. Ghost. That one was just like terrifying, but amazing. Um, Watcher's Woods. Oh my gosh. That one is just like iconic and they're like in the middle of the woods. Oh, I loved it. Um, and then another one that was from season five, which is actually where we're headed next is, um, is the tale of the chameleons and it had, it, it starred Tia and Tamara Maori. Ah, yes. I gotta watch that. Love them. Oh, that one was so good. That one was so good. But I think we should introduce our final episode. Yep, yes. love it. Season five, episode one, the tale of Dead Man's Float. This is I'm upset. Probably my favorite. <laughs> this is the scariest one I'd watch as a child. This one affected me for a long time. Yeah, I yeah. Okay, a boy named Zeke and his friend Clarice reopen an abandoned swimming pool, only to discover what lies there might be best left buried and forgotten. I have so many thoughts on this one, you guys. I'm. I don't remember this one. I think consensus is this is like the scariest episode that the series produced. Okay. Um, not, I mean, obviously everyone has their favorites, but like this one, I think it, like when it was like too scary for a lot of kids. Uh, I was one of these children. This is so interesting to me that you guys remember these because I must have just screamed crying out of the room every time these came on. <laughs> I don't remember these at all. Um, and my biggest issue with this, honestly, the scariest part of this for me was that guy kissing that girl unwanted at the beginning in the Midnight Society, where they're like, you're a creep, get out of here, you goob. And she's like, yeah, he's a fucking freak. And like, he he kissed her, like, against her will. And I was like, gross. I, this is probably my favorite. I literally, like, I mean, I've seen this one a bunch of times, um, and like recently, um, and I really do feel like this could be made into like a full-fledged horror film. Mm-hmm. Um, But for some reason, the thing that sticks out to me the most every single time I watch this episode is the way that Clarice sounds when she's swimming. She's got like this Canadian nasal swimming sound to her voice. And I was a swimmer as a kid, so I don't and I have like allergies. So I don't know if it's like that. But like, for some reason, I just like loved the way she sounded. And I don't know, it's like those earwigs of like, when you hear something and you just get like, I don't know, feelings. I was just Oh, my God. Do you mean the acoustics of the indoor pool? Or do you mean her like voice in the water? No, no, no. Like her voice when she's speaking, particularly when she's swimming. I don't know what it is. She just hmm. sounds, I'll, I'll insert a clip here to the pod. You ever teach anyone to swim before? Yes, enough questions, dive in. Hey, you really are afraid of the water. Okay, we'll take it slow. 
See, that wasn't so bad. Now try. Clarice! Is it like ASMR for you? Like, are you getting like tinglies? Yeah. Hmm. Oh, I loved it. Yep, totally. I had never seen this one before. And um, I think having it with a fresh, fresh, fresh set of eyes really made me raise my eyebrow at, so you're telling me you're making out with your girlfriend in this pool and you decided mm -hmm. to continue to work at this school, this haunted mm -hmm. school, as a janitor? <laughs> like, perhaps look into some other interests? <laughs> well, I think it's because he wanted to make sure that never happened to anyone else again, right? He's like the guardian of the pool. Yeah, he wants. Yeah. He's yeah. He wanted to make sure that would never ever happen. So he wanted to make sure no one would ever find the pool. And I feel like I would want to get as far away from that slimy red thing. With <laughs> I would too. Yeah, I'm out of here. No blood, just red slime. I'd be like, hey, you know what? I'm gonna move to uh, what's the furthest place from Montreal? Yeah, <laughs> like <laughs> South America. <laughs> <laughs> the desert, no pools anywhere. Well, I should say too, like as a kid, I was on the swim team in high school, but even as like a kid pre-swim team, like pools were terrifying, like deep end and water today is still something I have like a healthy fear of, I think. Um, but I always imagine like a shark or like a ghost in that grate in the bottom of the deep end of the pool. Yes. Um, and this really played into that fear for me. I was terrified of going to deep end of pools for a long time after watching this episode. I was an avid swimmer like my whole life. I loved swimming. I loved, yes. Surf pig. You're talking to surf pig from AOL Instant Messenger right now. I was a, I was a surf pig 13. Thank you. No, I was a junior lifeguard when I was a kid. And mm. my mom and I had a joke that lifeguards were the pigs of the surf. Oh, funny. The cops of the ocean. Oh, funny. So my nickname was surf pig. She's an ocean cop. I I was like, I I loved the ocean. I loved pools, but I was 100% and still in the ocean terrified of what lies beneath. Like, oh, you guys, let me tell you a little something that is going to be uh, informing maybe how people raise their children. <laughs> I never saw this and I have never been scared of a pool in my entire life. Like, because I would never be like, oh, a shark's going to get in this pool. Like, like as a child, I took a lot of swim classes. I was like in the pool all the time. So I'm going to say that this, uh, this fueled that for both yeah, of yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It definitely contributed <laughs> to that anxiety. I think my biggest fear of the ocean was just like ending up naked like Ariel and just being like, I need to find a sheet to put mm -hmm. on right now. Like no ocean fears, no pool fears. Maybe a poop in the pool. That was a common trope on um, some 90s television was like someone put a Snickers in the pool. Caddyshack, yeah. But just like, I guess it's just because I was like, it would be so unbelievable for like a sea, a creature of the deep to enter this pool and it died from the chlorine. Didn't matter. That anxiety still hit me. I think it's the fear of the unknown, too, because the, the scary thing with this ghost, too, is that it's invisible. Like, it still sucks you under until the end when they figure yeah. out that this chemicals, this acid or whatever can uh, make it visible. But, like, uh, it's like mm -hmm. it's underneath the water, which is hard to see. And then it's even more hard to see because it's not like visible in our human wavelengths or whatever. Um, right. It was a scary costume. Yes. Yeah, it was. Yeah, for real. I love the transitions with it. It was incredible. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Their camera work and their over the over the five seasons seasons got really good. I think 
One thing that was relatable scary to the real world from this episode is that when you're swimming, whether it be a pool or the ocean, there's chlorine or salt water mm. in your eyes. So you often can't mm. see well, right? And that was what always scared me. It wasn't that like when I looked at the deep end, I was like, something might be there. It was more when I was swimming over the deep end, I couldn't see because my eyes had chlorine in it and they were burning. And I was like, I don't know what's beneath me. I don't know what's beneath me. I don't know what's beneath me. That's what it was. Goggles, girl. Goggles. You got to get some goggles. <laughs> See, what you got to do is just be scared of Mars attacks, not watch any scary films. And then the only thing at the bottom of the pool are little neon sticks you have to retrieve for swim class. <laughs> Can I say the thing that bugged, the only thing that bugged me about this episode, uh, they mm. have the end with a, the children who are chemists or one of the boys, the boy is a, He's yeah. a chemi- chemical whiz, whatever. Um, he realizes that... Yeah, he's the nerd. Uh, he realizes, like, they, this ghost has a smell. He smells, like, rotten mm-hmm. eggs. And I don't know if anyone's in chemistry, like, the rotten egg smell is clearly sulfur. Uh, but he says... Yeah. Uh, acid? Acid. Yeah, I was like, what? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. That bugged me. It was like... I, I guess I don't even know if sulfur is an acid or not. Please don't let me know in the comments. Um, I don't know either. But uh, yeah, you know what bugged me? There should be a sulfur, right? Leaving, leaving a couple alone to just have a pool to themselves, romantically reading in it instead of just opening that pool up to the rest of the. Oh my god! Well, that's the other thing that scared me. Like these kids—they have free reign of the chemical lab. Like they're just grabbing stuff out of their. Like, can you imagine kids today, like just pulling out random chemicals from? That would be like on lockdown. That seemed like a major issue. And then the pool, yeah. No good. I will say, though, the ending where um, Zeke decides that he's not going to learn how to swim and he can just chill in the little boat Mm. while Clarice goes for a swim. I was like couples goals. You know, like he wanted to try to learn how to swim and she was like, yeah, I'll teach you how. And then he was like, yeah, after this, no, thanks. And she was just like, that's cool. Like, no pressure. You don't have to swim. We're not going to pressure you into it. Yeah. 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 It was just like, you read. I'm going to go for a swim. And he even was like, hey, do you want to go for a swim? Like, I know you don't want to sit here and read the whole time. Go ahead. Go for a swim. I'll sit here and read. And I was just like, that's so sweet. Yeah. I totally agree. I thought that was like a super healthy relationship. And he wasn't like mean to her about it. They were just yeah. going at their own yeah. pace, trying to jump, like slip into yeah. the pool. Yeah. Or just put a finger in. Um, yeah. Also, the, so like the second time he puts a finger in is when the first time the demon grabs him and pulls him under the ghost. Um, did, mm-hmm. did anyone look like that was like, I mean, it looked like an adult man, like grabbing him. And he, I felt like he pulled in like actually hard. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know how you would like fake that. It looked like a it looked like a stunt or something. They're, they're, someone's pull, like pulling a child into the pool. That's that's the only way they can yeah, get on this shot. Yeah, hundred percent. I really hope that that janitor gets a new job and moves uh, on with his life, and he feels he doesn't have to guard that pool anymore because it's kind of sad. That's trauma. It's a sad life. And nothing wrong with being a janitor, but like feeling like you need to sacrifice it for a ghost. No, yeah. he needs to remove himself. It's like a bad relationship. Like, you can't show up at work and see your, you know, ex all the time. Yes. Move on. Yeah. Also, the chemistry teacher was an ass to him. He was like, oh, Charlie will clean it up. Like. Oh, yeah. Rude. I got mad. I got mad. I did feel a little bit of a she's all that, he's all that moment where he took off his glasses and she was like, ooh, puppy dog eyes. It's cute. I was like, ooh, what a transformation. Shirt off, or I guess he had shirt on. This is a Canadian television show, but um, yeah. And then, oh, I loved her speedo swimsuit, purple tie dye. Like, oh, yes. I had so many of those. 
This reminded me of another horror film. Has anyone seen It Follows? Um, yes. This reminded me of the, the third act of It Follows. It does. You know what it reminded me of? Swim Fan, which I have seen. Similar. Yeah, if Swim Fan had a, an invisible fan, yes. yeah. this would be it. But it, it follows, it's like this invisible creature chasing this a person, like nonstop. And at the end, the kids decided to like, trap it in a swimming pool. So there's this invisible creature like in this pool, like chucking pool gear and all this stuff. And they're trying to like electrocute it and kill it in the pool. And they're getting sucked under like that too. Um, but I feel like a high school pool is an underutilized horror place. It's a, I mean, for me, that was a terrifying place uh, to be. I don't know. It's, and it's so cinematic. It looks great. I'm telling you, they need to make like a full on. I wanted, I mean, I'm not a writer or a director or a producer, but I really want to make like a legit version of this episode. I mean, let's, let's do it. A shot for shot remake. <laughs> I think you can do it. I know. I feel like honestly, like this does have potential. At least for like a, um, I don't know. Is Jordan Peele still doing the Twilight Zone show mm, yeah. or like an anthology show or something like that? Like, I feel like there's there's a space for it there. You should be like, hey, is that costume from uh, what was that movie that came out recently? Actually, it reminded me of this a little bit, too. I thought the monster kind of looked like what was that Oscar winning film recently with the like underwater uh about like the lady who falls in love with the underwater creature. Oh, Shape of Water. Yes. I was like, it's the Shape of Water guy, but it's before he got therapy. Like he's really upset. And because does he die at the end? What? How do they resolve it? He just like explode? Uh, she becomes a fish lady and they swim off together. Yeah. Oh, but in this one, how? what was the resolution? He's got the thing and then. Then they spill all of the, uh, uh, the menthol orange, or then they, what? They kill him somehow. There's a base or whatever, so they have to like neutralize yeah. him because he's acidic. Um, and then he melts. Science. He's killed with science. I, actually, I did write that down. He, I put murdered by science. He was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I did appreciate how he was like a physical, tangible thing that could be like interacted with, yeah. and like solved with. It made it feel, I don't know, like a lot of times these are just like it's a spooky thing, and you do a spooky spell to seal him. And this one's like, no, it's water. We observe these facts about him, and we're gonna solve them based on our high school like chemi chemistry knowledge. We eliminated this monster with science. Okay, so it does advocate for paying attention in your high school science classes also i love that we're recording this episode right now and at the beginning of recording oh and here she comes my black cat is was coming out and now joe's black cat is here come here princess yeah you know for a spooky episode we got to bring out the spooky pets so uh i don't have a pet don't you have a son don't you have a spooky son i do my skeleton son is downstairs that's close enough um i did really love that skeleton in i guess it was the second episode that we watched uh or no it was in the creepy door and he, that was some great skeleton acting gotta say um really appreciate almost like wonder if that's the same skeleton from halloween town jk jk we know it's a different skeleton did you all um, tell a lot of or hear a lot of scary stories like around campfires growing up? Yes. Hmm. I, I was in Boy Scouts um, and that was a big part of like Boy Scout culture was uh, spooky stories. I think we would tell, I mean, I don't think none of them were, were as creative or interesting as the ones that we heard in Are You Afraid of the Dark? But like it was definitely part of our culture, I think. There was one from Girl Scouts that was terrifying it was like about playing hide and go seek and then one of the girls hid so well that they forgot mm. her and like the closet door got locked and now she haunts the cabin oh. and it was like yeah oh that's a good one 
Yeah. I definitely dabbled in a Bloody Mary or two that scared the pee-pee out of me. <laughs> the drink or the demon? Oh, well, nowadays <laughs> the drink. The demon back then at, the, at a sleepover or two. But I'm remembering now that you're telling me this that... And this is very telling, y'all. So as I've mentioned on the show, I do not like scary things. However, I was a theater kid and spent a lot of time in abandoned, empty theaters backstage, often the only child, often scaring other people. So I was often in control. So when there were shows with other kids, I would know all the secret passageways Mm. and, and ins and outs of the theater. And I remember vividly doing a production of Alice in Wonderland at this like um, community college. So we had like free reign of like, not only the backstage theater area and the dressing rooms, but also like all the hallways, right? Because you do a show at night and it's in the school, but like the theater's in the school. And I remember scaring these kids so much. Like I was the one in control. So I think it was okay for me where I was like, oh my God, you guys, I... I found this quarter and this quarter was like handed to me like, like a ghost. Like I was very much the orchestrator of the Midnight Society, but I did not like to get scared. This reminds me. So when I was a child, so I have asthma. And when I was a child, I participated in studies for new medications. And one of the studies required us to stay overnight at the clinic. And I had been going to this clinic since I was two. And so I knew the doctors like really, really well. And so one night as we were all getting ready to go to sleep, one of the doctors went on the PA system and they just went, Sarah. And they like really creepy. And all the other kids started getting scared. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you guys, what's that? And then I like ran over to his office to try to find him, but he had already left. It was hilarious. I was like a bizarrely sensitive kid who's like, Literally, there's a video of my mom and dad. They built me like a little cardboard box. And they're like, there she goes. She's taking off in her rocket ship. And I start crying because I'm like, I don't want to leave the planet. You're not on. Like, I was just so terrified of like everything in the world. Probably had some like undiagnosed anxiety back then. So I can't even imagine watching these scary shows as a kid. Like, you guys are brave. You're very brave, both of you. Sounds like you had a very active imagination. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that I was just scared of life, so I didn't need these stories. You need extra fear added onto it. And that's trauma. Yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I y'all, I got to say I enjoyed these. Like I thought I I was going to be really scared. Um I I can see how they were scary for me back then. Like and that's what this guy says in this interview with Vulture is like, you know, I get the every once in a while I'll get a 22-year-old or 30-year-old reach out and say like these aren't scary anymore and it's like, well, it's not written for you. It's the same thing with Star Wars, right? Like people are like Star Wars isn't the same. And it's like, well, it's for kids. Like it's it's not for you. Um do you guys still like like I feel like this was a very different experience for me cuz this was very I remember the clown one, but I didn't really remember the other ones. Was this kind of a trip down memory lane for both of you? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I think it was um, like seeing it from adult lens too. Like seeing what made me scared as a child and like seeing it now as an adult, I think was really great for me too. It was fun. Also, like I was shocked at how, because I watch a lot of horror now that I did not watch as a child. Um, so I'm like, I'm much more experienced with it. But like, I was surprised how much, how tense these episodes made me feel, even though I knew it was going to happen. And even though I'm like a full grown adult man now watching these, these children's show, um, it held up way better than I thought it would hold up. Um, yeah, I was surprised. I was surprised how well a lot of the, the parts worked for me. I've rewatched Are You Afraid of the Dark a few times, not from start to finish, um, but a lot of the episodes and so 
Yeah, super specs um, and um, the dark music one I hadn't seen in a very long time. So those ones I was like kind of rewatching for the first time in a long time. Um, the other two I've definitely seen a lot more often. And like I said, like Dead Man's Float is one of my absolute favorites. But it definitely made me want to rewatch yeah. all of them. And the yeah, I felt the same way. <laughs> yeah. Well, they're all on Paramount Plus right now. If anybody wants to binge watch Nickelodeon shows, Paramount Plus has every single Are You Afraid of the Dark? Also, it's an anthology show, so like it's which is perfect if you just want to like bounce around and watch whatever. There's no story. Like everything's a self-contained story, which makes it. Except, except for the 1999-2000 revival where they started to bring in the actual Midnight Society into this like, yeah, it's, I remember because when it came out, I mean, I was already a lot older, but I was like, oh my God, I have to watch it because like, like basically the older brother comes back and he's like locked somewhere and they have to like solve it. And all of their stories come back from the original series, but that's like real now. And they're like participating in it. And I just want to rewatch all of it. And then I kind of want to watch the new like 2019 revival and just kind of see what's up. I watched the trailer for it. I'm really excited. It looks like a Netflix YA horror show. It does. Um, so I mean, it's definitely like a modern retelling of it, which like, you know, cool. Like it's a, a new generation, new style, like new things are. I think I'll probably feel the same way I do about the new all that where I'm like, it's good that these kids have that, but our all that was the definitive all that. It's a different, <laughs> it's a different vibe. I feel like my version now is, has been Mike Flanagan's like, three series um the midnight mass is the most recent one and then yes um, the haunting of bly manor and the haunting of hill house well my boyfriend's watching that right now and i walk into the kitchen and i go no thank you and i just walk right out like that is so telling (laughs) see that's the only time when i get a little pretentious about horror movies because i really don't and if you don't like them that's totally fine like my husband hates horror he will never ever watch it with me and i'm like that's totally fine but like when it has like this really unique storyline or or you know just like aspects to it i'm like if i promise to tell you when something gets scary so you can cover your eyes and ears will you please watch this with me because it's just like (laughs) fascinating like the way that they tell this story so that's what i like about horror in some cases it's not it's not very common though no i totally agree i think i'll be spending my my uh my time in halloween town instead (laughs) focus focus campy goofy little spooks and goblins and little bats and little pumpkins and skeletons i'm just you know like grim grinning ghosts i mean the haunted mansion at disneyland used to scare the crap out of me now it's my favorite ride so who knows maybe maybe it's one of those things like taste that just like changes over time like you know you get used to spiciness or you know we were talking about that like is you like you get like uh, you feel the rhythm like you start to understand it or like can like anticipate stuff and that like makes it fun uh, understand the yeah. mansion like you know all the twists and turns all the things are gonna pop out like yeah makes it a fun and the turn. song is a bop and the, having the a, song is a an dope absolute. soundtrack a dope score definitely helps uh yeah <laughs> agreed that definitely helps <laughs> sarah i think there's only one way to close out this episode and it's to read the words that are on your shirt and i would love to give you the honor submitted princess can you please move <laughs> Okay, everybody who's listening, a black cat's tail just covered the screen. Very spooky. Spooky. (laughs) Submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. That's all it is. (laughs) 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 We'll say, this has been Are You Afraid of the Dark? 
There we go. I'm gonna throw dairy powder <laughs> on Yeah, dairy fire. powder, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Joe. Thank you so much for coming onto this episode. My pleasure. We really appreciate it. Yes, we love you. This is fun. I, I You gotta come back. Yeah, oh absolutely. This, I just love October. It's my chance to just force people to watch scary things with me. So uh I appreciate y'all. You can be our resident scary we've got like our resident X Games person mm. or res- you can be our resident scary person. Yeah, I uh I'll I'll take that. That's uh, like all year round I'm watching spooky things, but October is the time I get to force people to watch them with me. I guess we already we already had Joe plug stuff at the beginning. To- yeah, we're good. Just follow me online at Joe Carlson One. I'm on TikTok, Twitter, all the socials, whatever. Uh, I make lots of videos and make dumb jokes about uh, programming and movies, and I guess it's about it. cats. Cats too. That's about it. So if you like that stuff, come come hang out with me. Spooky. <laughs> Salute Your Sports is not endorsed by the companies featured in this episode or any of their subsidiaries. It is intended for entertainment and informational purposes only. All names, pictures, audio, and video clips are registered trademarks and or copyrights of their respective trademark and or copyright holders. Mix and Master by Dr. G. Our theme song is Keep Me Entertained by Maddie McGuire. Salute Your Squirts is recorded in front of a live house plant. And in a shed. And is not produced in Nickelodeon Studios at Universal Studios in Orlando, Florida. 